Attention, you're listening to the Todd Huff Radio Show, America's home for conservative, not bitter talk radio. Be advised that the content of this program has been documented to prevent and even cure liberalism, and listening may cause you to lean to the right. Here's your conservative, but not bitter host, Todd Huff. Did you know that today marks the one-year anniversary? I wasn't sure we were going to get here, to be, to be quite honest with you. One-year anniversary of Joseph Biden serving as president of the United States. I, You know, there's a press conference yesterday, and we're going to play some sound bites from that. Just delusional stuff. Um, we'll play that as, as the program comes together today. But... Um, you know, we, we made it a, a year. I mean, it's it's just a remarkable feat. In fact, as I was thinking about this today, as I was just going back in uh, the history of this great nation and reminded of what happened when President Trump was president, uh, was being sworn in on Inauguration Day of 2017, you may recall... You may recall that there were a group of lunatics, lunatics on the left, that screamed at the universe. Do you remember this? They screamed at the universe. In fact, they I think they carried on this tradition. Um, I, I'm not sure if it was every election day or if it was on inauguration day every year. But they carried this tradition on. In fact, I want to play a clip here. You may have, you probably have heard this. This, the individual in this clip, um, who clearly needs some some help. This is a, a person that we've seen in some memes as well uh, over the past several years. But I just want you to listen to this. <laughs> oh my goodness! I I just I, the things that we're subjected to. Just I think this is a report. I don't know if it's NPR. It's somebody giving a report, you know, the president, president-elect Donald J. Trump is taking the podium, that kind of stuff. And in the background, or actually in the frame, is this, is this person who's distraught, screaming. And you kind of have to listen carefully. It's pretty obvious, but you, you have to listen carefully, not too carefully, but just, just listen to this. <laughs> I mean, that is what we were subjected to. And look, I don't mean to imply that the only the only crazy people are radical leftists, but I mean, radical left worldview is incredibly insane. So this is not not surprising. But as I was thinking about this, you know, I thought at first, you know, maybe I'll come on here and, and sometimes I mockingly yell at the universe, ah, universe, Joseph R. Biden, president, ah, like that's going to do any, any good here. Um, but I started thinking, you know, there's reasons that people like this person and I, you know, 
that there's major there's a lot going on here with this this person. Uh, not that we all have it together, but this is not normal, folks. This is not this. There's a lot of problems here, but there's a lot of difference between us and and I don't people who have conservative principles and values and we're you know people are upset that Biden's president. Some people some people have questions about the election that have gone unanswered or ignored. Some people don't have questions. They simply are shocked that America has made this turn to the left um, and they're wanting to find answers politically. I mean, there's all sorts of opinions out there. Now, most Republicans have legitimate questions about the 2020 election. I'm just going to mention that. But there's different viewpoints and and I... (laughs) Depending on the day, someone might feel frustrated enough to scream, but not to not to put on not to put on this performance. And that's what this lady was doing. She asserts herself in the middle of the inauguration. Uh, I don't know what it, lo- it looks like. She's almost praying to the universe. I don't know what she's doing. It's not normal. I can assure you that. But I started thinking, you know, conservative principles and value, conservative people, and again. As I've said on here before numerous times, folks, there are there are crazy people in every group. This is what it means for humanity to be broken, right? I mean, we know that we have fallen. Humanity has fallen. People have uh, we're broken. All of us to some to some degree. All of us have sinned. The Bible says and fall short of the glory of God. We've all missed the mark. And so I, I you know. We're all, no one's got it all together. But sometimes a lot of that talk is relative, too. I don't want to say that's any, don't don't misunderstand me. We all need, we all need the forgiveness of God the same amount. Um, If you're guilty of keeping the whole law but breaking even one part, you're guilty of breaking all of it. We know this. So I'm not making excuses or, or, you know, classifying for the sake of saying people are, are better or what have you. But I do want to make some differentiations here, compare and contrast, because I think we can tell a lot by the makeup of conservatives, uh, you know, just regular, normal, common sense conservatives. We don't feel the need to respond like this, that this lady did and other others like her. And there's several reasons for that. Number one, and I think perhaps the most important, government is not our God. Government is not our God. You will hear me on this program reference that on a regular basis. Government's not God. The left wants to make government God. In fact, I've had liberals write me, God's honest truth. I had a liberal write me um, who told me that the way I described the radical left is precisely how she viewed herself. You know, she said, I I said to the radical, I'm not, ta- I'm not talking a regular rank and file liberal. I'm talking about the radical uh, militant left. They, government is their God. And she said that that's right. She said, I don't believe in God per se, but the closest thing to that is how I view my government. And so this is, to the left, to the radical left, government is God. And so when their when their person, when their guy, when their girl, whoever, doesn't hold office, it's the equivalent, I'm telling you, I, I'm I'm using a bit of hyperbole, but not 
tremendous amounts of hyperbole. It's the equivalent if you go to church and you, you know, elect, I don't know, elders, deacons, you know, you hire a pastor, someone in a position of leadership at your church. Imagine if you hired someone who was an atheist to be your pastor, just just for example. Or I think about on a lesser, well, in a sense lesser, but in another sense very much the same thing. You know, if you have a teacher at your child's school who is teaching the antithesis of the things that you're teaching your child at home, you know, these these teachers that want to press and push the uh, critical race theory, propaganda, and all this sort of stuff, while all the while telling you it's not happening. It's not happening. It's not even a thing they're telling us. It's got a name, but it's not. it doesn't even exist. It's a remarkable, remarkable concept. You know, I don't – when's the last time that you – Name something that didn't even exist. I mean, that seems like a effort in futility, but nonetheless, this is what they they tell us. But imagine if you had a teacher that 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 was teaching the antithesis. Now, some of you don't have to imagine because you experience this, and it really lights your fire a lot. And so, that's how the left feels when Hillary Clinton's not in the White House and Donald Trump is. It's the equivalent of – I do think that the religion analogy is stronger because it's something that's sacred to the left. It is, I mean it, it's, it's, it's a religion – the radical left, government is God. I mean everything begins and ends with what government can tell you uh, that you can do. That's how they view it. It's a sickening thing. So that's one of the reasons we don't feel the need to scream at the universe. Another reason – that we don't feel the need to scream at the universe is something maybe much more basic, much more basic and fundamental. Um, we know that screaming at the universe is something that is more fitting for perhaps a petulant child. But not even that. I think how many of you listening to my voice would let your kid carry on in a grocery store, convenience store, a super center, or whatever acting like this? You wouldn't even allow that to happen. So we've grown past it. Now, as children, a lot of folks have a tendency to throw fits like this. Throw t- we call you know tantrums, um, fits. You know, lay on the ground and kick and scream until they get their way. I Means that works, unfortunately, with some parents. Um, but this this doesn't work for adults and. Screaming at the universe is an act of petulance. I mean, it, it's it's just, I mean, they're being complete babies. And not only that, what in the world does screaming at the universe, <laughs> screaming at the universe do for anything? I mean, it's an unhinged thing. It is an unhinged thing to sit there and scream at the universe. Now, what they want is the attention. They want you to see just how upset they are. And, Really, it's kind of a form of, to their other unhinged radical leftists, it's almost, um, it, it's it's a signal that they're the wokest in the group. It's virtue signaling almost. They're, they're so upset, they can't function in society. They have to scream at the universe because it's so out of balance when there's a President Trump or a President anybody who's a Republican. That's how they feel. That's how they act. That's how... That's how they behave. But another thing is, 
it's true, folks, that government policy um, and the people running it can cause lots of problems for you and for me, for Americans. They can throw obstacles in our paths. They can threaten and endanger our liberties. They can hurt us financially, whether that's through taxation, harming the economy, causing inflation, any number, any combination, or in the case with Biden, all those things. Um, They can undermine what the founders set up in this great nation. And I certainly wish that people, more people would wake up to this point. In fact, um, in the book Plato's Republic, we read this in college. There's a quote that I want to I want to read to you from from Plato in the book, and it says one of the penalties of refusing to participate in politics is that you end up being governed by your inferiors. There's a ton of truth there, a ton of truth there. And so it's certainly in some regard understanding understandable to be frustrated, but not this petulant, babyish, just infantile, ridiculous behavior um, designed just to get – I don't know, designed to make them look woke, designed to virtue signal to their friends in some deranged way, um, to look like some sort of a martyr, to get a headline, to get their picture somewhere, whatever. But we understand that while all those things are true, government can harm us, and we should be involved in government. I wish more more of my Christian friends, more of my conservative friends that are aggravated at government would be open to this concept. Um, We need to pay more attention because, as Plato said, one of the penalties for refusing to participate in politics is that you end up being governed by your inferiors. Um, There's a couple of other ways even to say that, but effectively, if you don't do it, someone else is going to do it. And if you don't, whether you don't have to run for office, but if you're not engaged in fighting the battle, that's one less person that these totalitarian authoritarians have to conquer. Well, they'll conquer you. You just didn't put up a fight, or that person that didn't you know, get involved didn't put up a fight. So all that's true. But there's something else that we conservatives seem to get. The extreme. I'm talking about the extreme radical left. I'm not talking about the average Democrat. But we understand this issue of personal responsibility. That re- personal responsibility is fully and completely rejected by today's radical left. I mean 100% rejected. I've, as I've said on here before, and I stand by it, um, I think it's, it's, it is a truth. It's an unfortunate truth, but it is true that the radical left, in the minds of the radical left, you're not responsible for anything that happens in your life, but yet you are, collectively with everyone else, responsible for the things that happen in everyone else's life. This is, this is one of the fundamental lies that um, identity politics is built upon. This is where things like white guilt come from. You know, if you have a group of – and I'm just picking, you know, that. There, there's other examples uh, of people that have been, you know, that have taken on responsibility. I mean, I've got friends, folks. I know people that have these corporate meetings, you know, they're, they're on calls and so forth, and they tell me some crazy things. And, I mean, some of these places aren't far from the white people in the company just being mandated. It hasn't happened yet to my knowledge, but it wouldn't surprise me. Being mandated and forced to apologize to the minorities in the company 
because, you know, that person is white. I need to just apologize because I'm a white man and I didn't even know this would be what they uh, would want an employee to say. They're very close to this. I just want to apologize, <laughs> so a white person would say, to all my minority coworkers because I didn't realize. I've been ignorant in my racism and I'm trying harder and I would love your help on you know, directing me and helping me learn the error of my ways. That sort of thing, right? It's the opposite of personal responsibility. It doesn't mean that people can't be individual racist, but these these ideas that say we're all collectively responsible, but we're not specifically responsible, this is dangerous stuff. This is the kind of stuff I don't want my kids being taught. I don't want your kids being taught. This is the sort of thing that poisons a mind. This is the sort of thing that truly serves as an obstacle, a self-made obstacle between an individual and his or her dreams, passions, objectives, what have you. So that's why we don't scream at the universe. But this is happy, happy, by the way, happy, happy, happy Biden inauguration anniversary. We're one year into this debacle now, and we can now mark it on the calendar. We somehow survived 365 days. I have no idea how. Uh, Well, I do know how. They weren't able to cooperate and work together to pass the stupid stuff, as much of the stupid stuff as they wanted to see implemented in the lives of the American people. So quick time out. When we get back, I want to play. Biden actually was at a – had a press conference yesterday, and there is more nonsense in this – I got to maybe than any press. I'd have to think hard about this, but it's it's up there. The amount of ridiculous things that he was saying, some of the questions he was actually filling. <laughs> I mean, these questions are getting ridiculous. But what do you expect? You have to ask ridiculous questions when you're dealing with a ridiculous administration. Quick time out, my friends. You're listening to Conservative Not Better Talk. I am your host Todd Huff. Back here in just a minute. <laughs> friends. So let's talk a little bit about this uh, speech, or not speech, I guess press conference that Biden had. Uh, (laughs) I mean, there is so much to choose from here. Let me just give you, let me give you a little bit of a rundown and then we'll, we'll play some of these uh, sound bites just to kind of make sure that you know I'm not making it up because it's going to sound like I'm making it up. Although if you follow politics, you'll know that if it doesn't sound made up, it really didn't happen because there's no way that Biden said something that you and I don't think sound made up. So Biden actually thinks, he said this yesterday, he thinks, he thinks he's outperformed expectations. Folks, you talk about someone who is Beyond disconnected from reality, beyond disconnected from your experiences, our experiences, Americans' experiences, reality in life, the realities of life in general as a whole, who can get to this point one year in to this dumpster fire that we call the Biden administration and think he's outperformed (laughs) outperformed expectations. I'm not making this up. Again, I know it sounds made up. In a sane world, it would be a joke 
on, I don't know, Saturday Night Live, if they weren't too busy trying to defend people like Joseph R. Biden. But he really thinks, he really and truthfully believes, or he wants you to believe that anyway, that he thinks he's done better than what the expectations were. I I don't even know what to, to say about this, folks. This is delusional. This is insane. This is I just completely illustrating uh, it completely illustrates his, his further incompetence. If he thinks this is a good thing, what we've been subjected to, I'm going to play it for you. It's not a long clip. Listen, listen to this exchange. I'm trying to think of who the reporter was who asked him this question, but just listen to this. He thinks he's outperformed, or he wants Americans to think he's outperformed their expectations. This is delusional. I didn't overpromise, and what I have probably uh, outperformed what anybody thought would happen. There you go. He's not overpromised. <laughs> he's not. He's not, I don't know what you're talking, if you think this, I don't know what you're talking about. That's basically what he says. I, I mean, I, I know that you expected me to pass. Well, here's the thing. The average voter, the average person doesn't want to see these stupid uh, laws being passed that they've, that they've been promoting. The average person does not want um, to see the filibuster rule done away with. And I'll be honest, I mean, I have problems with the filibuster rule. You can go back to episodes of this program, and you can hear that, I mean, I have some problems with it. Used to, they made these folks, um, you know, actually speak and, and you know, have these longs. People would read from the phone book and that sort of thing. So I'm, I don't, I'm not a just an ardent defender of the, the filibuster, but I, I will say this. When Republicans are in control and, and Democrats are in the minority, they think it's the greatest thing in the world. It can't be done away with. It's a pillar of our democracy. But the second Republicans are out of power and they have power, they want that thing done away with. I mean, to me, if you want to do away with the filibuster, I'm not arguing one way or the other, but say, okay, it's not going to be for this Congress. You're going to have to do it for the next Congress or maybe – Six years from now, I mean, of course, the, the the current Senate at that time would vote for the rules, but it can come up and make them, you know, make them decide to change it. Don't don't change it for this Congress. That shows me that you're simply trying to use your manipulate your powers to ramrod your agenda through. Do it for the future, you know, a future Congress. Anyway, but people don't like to see the the. Uh, What's it called? Freedom to Vote Act. As though people don't have the freedom to vote. This is beyond absurd and patronizing and dangerous. You want to talk about undermining our system of democracy? Tell people they don't have a freedom to vote? What is this? Where's Facebook and YouTube and these other, I don't know, you know, moral grandstanding companies? Where are they speaking out, making sure the fact checkers know that anybody who's legal to vote and who wants to vote except for some bizarre thing that happened, usually can find a way to do it, folks. This is not this is not rocket scientists or rocket science. Um not only that, Biden says, look, I didn't I didn't over promise and under deliver. I've actually outperformed expectations. 
Well, let's compare that to what to what people think. Here's a I think this is a is this Gallup? I gotta look on this. I wanna say Gallup poll. I could be I could be mistaken on this. Uh no, it is it's Rasmussen. I'm sorry, Rasmussen. They recently did a national telephone and online survey of likely US voters. This is not just this is not the general population. This is not even registered voters. This this is these are people who are actually likely to be voters in the upcoming 2022 uh, 2022 elections midterms. They were asked how they would rate Biden's performance. Now Biden thinks he outperformed expectations. So let's see what people think. So they were given four options. Very successful, somewhat successful, somewhat unsuccessful, very unsuccessful. Let me give you the numbers if you haven't heard this. You ready for this? 12% says very said very successful. Now, these folks literally are either in the ruling class, they are in Biden's family, they're they're getting kickbacks from Hunter's deals over over in China. I'm just throwing out possibilities here, by the way. I don't I mean this is there's no sane person that can think this is very successful. These are people um, who really are just committed to support the Democrat mission agenda no matter what. 12% of Americans, you've successfully convinced us beyond a re- any reasonable doubt, any shadow of a doubt, that you are in the tank for Democrats no matter what. So 12% say very successful. 26% say somewhat successful. Now, these are people who probably know what's not successful, but they're trying to look at, you know, they're Democrats, they voted for this guy. It's hard to say in 12 months. I mean, think about this. We didn't have conservatives or Republicans who voted for Trump did not have this problem. The only problem that folks would have had would have been if they didn't like his tweets and that sort of thing. But we didn't have these regrets one year after one year after he assumed office. But 26% says somewhat successful. That it's almost like they're saying, look, I don't want to admit that I messed up. I'm going to say somewhat successful. That seems ambiguous enough. Maybe it's real right on the brink, but I can say he's a little bit more successful than not. That's still not rational and believable, but at least it's not someone who's saying it's very successful. I mean, that's that's insane. Very successful. Then comes the somewhat unsuccessful. This is 10% of the people. Again, these are probably Democrats who know he's very unsuccessful, but they think, I can't come out and say that, right? I got I to gotta at least say somewhat unsuccessful because he's been an unmitigated disaster. So 10% say somewhat unsuccessful. Folks, 50, 50, half of U.S. likely voters, according to this poll from Rasmussen, say he's been very unsuccessful. And dare I say, if there was a choice that was absolutely unsuccessful, the vast majority of the 50% would have picked that one as well. We couldn't, that's the group I fall in. And if there's another option that's less successful than very unsuccessful, I pick that one. So I did the math here and it looks like there's what? uh, 2%, 2% of the people who didn't apparently have an opinion. These folks are clueless and they'll vote for Biden just because it doesn't matter. But that's, this is what we're dealing with, folks. 
60% of likely voters in this country have said Biden has been unsuccessful, either somewhat or very. And 50% of those said very unsuccessful. 50, half of likely voters. If someone is likely to vote in this coming election, there's a 50% chance they think Biden is very, not just somewhat, very unsuccessful. They would be right. These are folks that I have <laughs> great hope in. Now, these are also all the Republicans. Um, so that, I mean, that's, I'm telling you, that analysis is probably pretty close to reality. The 12% who said very successful think that this guy, you know, he's a Democrat. We're in for this no matter what. The 26% who said somewhat unsuccessful think, you know, I don't want to say I made a mistake on my vote, so I got to say he's at least over the 50% line and somewhat successful. The 10% unsuccessful, somewhat unsuccessful folks, again, are people who know he is very unsuccessful, but they're Democrat voters, and they don't want to say that they were completely bamboozled by voting for this guy. And then the 50% who say very uh, very unsuccessful, those are folks that didn't, uh, they're Republicans that didn't vote for the guy anyway. Folks, I got to take a break. Quick time out. You're listening to Conservative Not Better Talk. I am your host, Todd Huff, back here in just a minute. Welcome back, my friends. By the way, program brought to you in part by Midwest Tax Group. Folks, I know you're like me. Taxes, well, many of you, some of you enjoy this sort of stuff and I'm not sure I understand you, to be quite honest. I'm just teasing, but I don't enjoy this sort of thing. And but it's necessary. We got to get all of our, you know, paperwork and file our taxes. And having someone that knows what they're doing can help walk you through, answer questions. Um, that's a good thing to have in a lot of cases. So if you're looking for someone who you can trust to help you f- complete file. Submit your taxes for 2021 here in the new year. Consider reaching out to our friends at Midwest Tax Group. You can find out more information by visiting them online. Their um, website is mwtaxgroup.com. That's MW for Midwest, mwtaxgroup.com. Got offices around the city here in central Indiana, around Indianapolis, Check them out, mwtaxgroup.com. Be sure to tell them you heard about them here on the Todd Huff Show. So, got some other sound bites to play, but I got a little bit long-winded here in the last segment, um, as as usual, <laughs> as usual. So, um, I'm not going to play another. Well, I'm going to play some sound bites next segment. I don't want to do that quite quite yet, but again. It's important to note, likely U.S. voters, people who pay any attention whatsoever, people who are likely to continue voting uh, for this country or you know in these elections, be, uh, not just because somebody tells them a president's trying to stage a coup or some silly nonsense, folks that pay attention and are likely to vote, 60% of them would say that Biden's term is unsuccessful. And I'm I'm going to tell you, in my opinion, if folks were being honest and didn't have to eat crow on this, even to a pollster. I mean, there's 
there are things that people don't want to admit to pollsters sometimes. It's just, it, there's things we don't want to admit to ourselves. I'm telling you, these numbers are low. I'm not saying they're inaccurate, as in Rasmussen is playing with the numbers. I'm saying that people didn't say he was unsuccessful even when they really know that he is. I mean, I'm telling you, right, th- these numbers have to be, have to be, even in a semi-sane world, close to, I mean, we have to be pushing 70% of people that would say unsuccessful in some degree. I would think 60% would say very unsuccessful. But it's still remarkable to see this. 60% say unsuccessful on some level is how they would describe Biden's administration. They would be right. They may not have the degree always right of how much, how unsuccessful he is. It is very extremely, completely, that might be the best term to describe it. But anyway, this is all after one year. This is This could not be going any worse for the Democrats right now, and they know it. Quick time out, my friends. Come back. We'll play some sound bites, some other crazy sound bites from this uh, this press conference uh, yesterday. Sit tight. Back in just a minute. Welcome back, my friends. So Biden was also asked. I just well, I, there's so many to pick. For. Let me, let's let's start with this one. Biden thinks he's done more, I'm not making this up, than any president, any other president in his first term, in, for first year, not first term. Heaven, that's wishful thinking. I'm out here wishing that it's his first term that's over, but it's just his first year. But I want you to listen to this. Biden actually says, can you think of another president, of any other president, that has done as much in one year? I'm, I'm not making this up. Here it is. More follow-up. Um Around this time last year when you were campaigning in Georgia, I think one of the things you told people was the power is literally in your hands. You know, if if, if voters give Democrats the House and the Senate and, and the presidency that all these big things can get accomplished. And, you know, we've seen stalemate. We've seen things being stymied. Um, why should folks believe you this time around? Can you think of any other presidents done as much in one year? <laughs> Name one for me. Name one? I'm asking you. <laughs> I'm serious. Right. You guys talk about how know. nothing's happened. Bad things. I don't think there's been much good on any incoming president's plate that's been a bigger menu than the plate I have. Are you kidding me? I'm not complaining. Knew that running in. And the fact of the matter is we got an awful lot done. An awful lot done. And your voters don't and seem more to think to get so. Done. But look, let's, let me ask a rhetorical question. Okay, here we go. This is setting it up. No, no, you won't, because you forgot it. Let's just be honest here. You forgot your rhetorical question, but that's another thing altogether, folks. I take no, I don't, I don't take pleasure in having. I really don't, uh, but that's the way I see that. I'm not. But what do you mean? No other president has come into office with with as much on their plate. Are you stinking kidding me, folks? President Abraham Lincoln was sworn in, was inaugurated March 4th, 1861. Civil War started just about 40 days later, within the first six weeks of his tenure as president. Of course, they knew this was coming anyway. I don't mean that, but but you're going to tell me, Joseph R. Biden, that no president, not even Lincoln, has had more on his plate 
in his first year in office. That was five or six weeks in, April 12th, 1861. What about George W. Bush, inaugurated January 20th, 2001. We all know what happened, what, uh, 10 months, what, eight months later, I guess. Eight months later, September 11th, 2001. Eight months. The world literally, I mean, just, our, well, it hit, it hit America. Let's say that. I don't want to say the world changed because this was, you could see this coming. In fact, Clinton refused to take out bin Laden one time, but that's another story altogether. Harry, what about Harry S. Truman? Folks, listen to this. Harry S. Truman, 33rd president of the United States, who took office after Franklin Delano Roosevelt, not to be confused with Franklin Delano Romanowski from Seinfeld, took office April 12th after the death of FDR. April 12th, 1945. Listen to what happened in his first couple of months in office. I mean the first, what is this? May, June, July, August. First four, five months. First five months in office. On May 8th, 1945, Germany unconditionally surrendered, ending the European theater of World War II. On August 6th, so look, May, June, July, August. This is four months later. August 6th, Harry Truman was responsible, Was made the decision, the right decision, as terrible as this was, the right decision to drop the first atomic bomb on Japan on Hiroshima. Three days later, August 9th, 1945, dropped the second atomic bomb on Nagasaki, Japan. Well, the second bomb on Japan, but this city was Nagasaki. And then on September 2nd of 1945, the Japanese unconditionally surrendered. Folks, they can't even give credit here to a Democrat. And what about George Washington? I mean, this guy had to take office. The very first president had to handle the responsibilities of a newborn nation navigating all the things that have to be navigated. Biden wants, that's just a couple of presidents. I didn't do an extensive search here. I just sat down and thought about these things. You got to be kidding me, Biden. I'm not, he's not whining. No, no, no. He's not whining. He's He's being a sophist, that's for sure. This is nonsensical rhetoric, as usual. Quick time out, my friends. Back in just a minute. Welcome back, my friends. There's lots of other things in this press conference yesterday, but I want to play one other. James Rosen here, who's now with uh, Newsmax. You may remember his name. You may remember his voice. He used to be on Fox. But now he's with Newsmax. He, I'm not going to play the whole thing. I don't have time. But he actually was very respectful. He raised questions about uh, Biden's cognitive ability in a very gentle, fair, kind way because he was saying, why, why would Americans think that you don't have the cognitive ability to be president of the United States? I want you to listen to this last part and listen to Biden's answer. <laughs> listen to Biden's answer. Here it is question I have for you, sir, if you'd let me finish, is why do you suppose such large segments of the American electorate have come to harbor such profound concerns about your cognitive fitness? Thank you. I have no idea. Yes. He has no idea. That's his answer. I have no idea. Which in some ways, I mean, may be the perfect answer, because I'm not sure, you know... That kind of goes to the point of asking the question there. Um, anyway, so this 
this has no end in sight. I mean, no matter what they do, folks, this this was I just gave you a couple snippets. This thing was a train wreck yesterday, which of course totally to be expected, predictable. Democrats are floundering. By the way, the Senate uh, Republicans stopped this uh, vote on the voting fraud bill. Just want to let you know that. Got to go. SDG. See you tomorrow. Take care.